For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is another weekly edition of the Oklahoma City Topic Thunder Podcast. I am joined today from Oklahoma, Mr. Alex Roy. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good here. Here watching my uh, my Red Sox get beat a little bit, but uh, they, they've won the last three games against the Yankees, so so we're good. We're good. Yo, you're... Uh... Your face still still looking glowing uh, from coming <laughs> off of your TV debut uh, representing uh, the podcast. How are you, how did that go? Oh man, it was fun, man. It was it was fun. It was it was nerve wracking because it was actually live to me. So about a week and a half before that, I did appear on my local news. Um, they had an interview, but that was a an interview that they did, and then they chopped it up and edited, and you know made me look good in the process. Uh, but this one was live. So this one I was, you know, if I would have messed up a word or stumbled over words or gotten nervous and there was there was no way to escape it. It was live. Um, so I, I thought I did OK. Uh, and it was fun. It was fun. You know, I was on there with uh, Maggie Carlo. She was the one that was kind of hosting it. And Carson mm-hmm. Cunningham and Mark Rogers of the of the sports animal were on there. And it was just fun. I mean, I I had never met any of these two guys. and They were real cool. And. You know, I think it was a pretty good segment. And I think you represented the unit well. Uh, hey, so they, I, they, they, put the, they put the podcast name at the, you know, underneath my name. So that, that worked out just fine. Hey, man, that's, that's all we need right there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, keep doing big things and, uh, and it'll try. pay off for sure. It was fun. So, uh, I mean, we got a weekly, right? I, we got to find something to talk about. There was absolutely nothing that happened in Thunder Nation absolutely nothing <laughs> man um, it's like it's like we i keep looking for like the dead period when it comes to the thunder and it's it's not it's not happening there is no dead period like every week brings us something fruitful oh man the the dead period may be in february <laughs> yeah maybe yeah that's true uh, uh let me not wish the... let me let, let me not wish for dead periods then yeah right exactly um, so amongst all the news, uh, we'll get to some of the housekeeping stuff. The Thunder finally filled out their their bench as far as coaching goes. So we don't just have Billy Donovan. We have other folks to support him. Yep. Uh, what do you have to say about some of our new hires that that uh, that hit the Thunder this week? So I mean, so if you look at the at the new assistant coach hires, so we we hired uh, Mark Dagnalt and uh, David Okenuye, uh from the Blue, 
Um, we hired Dave. Well, so basically, we, we moved, we promoted Dave Bliss um, because he basically was an assistant coach last year, but his title had something to do with scouting. But he was out there um, coaching the big man. You know, he's a big man himself. Uh, so he's out there kind of with Mark Bryant most of the time coaching the big men. And he was very involved in the coaching aspect of the team last year, but I think his title was different than what it is this year. Um, so he moved up to the bench. And also Mike Wilkes. Mike, Mike Wilkes was also on the scouting um, part of the house when it comes to the Thunder. And so he's moved over to the assistant coaching part of it. And then we also got um, Brian Keefe. And so if anybody follows the coaches on on the Thunder – uh, Brian Keith was with the team from like 2007 to about 2014 uh, before Derek Fisher hired him away. And then Luke Walton hired him away from uh, Fisher staff whenever he got fired from New York. And he's been on the Lakers staff. Um, well, last year he was on the Lakers staff and he's, he's a de- defensive guru. Uh, basically he took the Lakers two years ago. I think their defensive rating was 30th and he made them, a top 12 team last year. They were 12 last year. Um, so it's something that, you know, hopefully this guy comes in and he kind of acts like our, if you remember back to 2010, uh, we had a coach by the name of Ron Adams for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And he was our, he was their defensive guru back then. And he kind of helped that young team turn into the defensive, not monster, but the, the good defensive team that actually, contends and makes it all the way to finals and, and conference finals and things like that before he moved on to the Golden State Warriors. Now Ron Adams is yeah. a big part of, of the Warriors brain trust there with the coaching staff there with Kerr. Um, so I, I think if you look at this coaching staff, I, I think it's very developmental heavy. Um, I, I don't think this is a coaching staff that a team would have if they were, if they had veterans on their team and were contending for championships. This is, a coaching staff that is very much with the idea in mind that it needs to develop players and it's going to have young players on the roster and those young players, the team has to see what they have in them. And so this type of coaching staff, um, it's kind of a development, it's kind of a young coaching staff in and of itself. Uh, you don't have a lot of MBA experience with this coaching staff. And so it, 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 it seems like they're going to grow up together. Uh, they're going to try to take these young guys and grow up with them and see where that takes them. And it's, it's a model that I think they used um, whenever the Thunder were young in 2008, 2009, 2010, and it worked out for them. You know, So you don't have like a, you know, a drill sergeant coach out there, kind of like, like what happened in Minnesota with Tom Thibodeau, where mm. it didn't really work out that well. You know, I don't think you can have a veteran coach with a young team. You have to have a or a veteran-minded coach. You have to have a younger coach that is willing to develop for a younger team and see where he takes them. And, yeah, I I agree with all those points. Some some key thoughts to take or to keep in mind is that while we are looking to potentially completely rebuild, and we'll talk about what that may look like later, um, when you've got younger coaches you know, that maybe are stepping up into new roles you have to have some type of a veteran presence out there on the floor. And maybe they're not exactly on the floor. They're on the bench. And so there's still a lot of value in keeping guys like Dre guys that are good for the culture and Steven Adams, even Chris Paul, as you know, some people on the unit may hate his face, uh, Steve, <laughs> with the shout out. Uh, he could still be pivotal in some of the development for guys like Ferg, 
guys like Shea, um, Baisley even, you know, because he may, even though we see him as a four, he may get sucked out on the perimeter a little bit. He can handle the rock a little bit. So there's a lot of goodness to be had from that veteran presence. And for all of what people say about fire Billy Donovan this, fire Billy Donovan that, he's had most of his success coaching outside of his first year as the Thunder head coach at the college ranks mm-hmm. and relating to guys that are in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s. That fits perfect with Shea and Ferg and Hamadou Diallo and mm-hmm. Baisley and whatever eighth grader we've got coming in the pipeline later Bronny. on right i mean bring them i'm i'm here for all of it i don't care uh yeah. i i think that billy actually wants to develop players he wants to get it roll his sleeves up and, and get involved coaching in that aspect he's surrounding himself with guys that are going to make that a little easier on him but i don't know i think we're going to get to see a, a a side of billy donovan in his own right that we haven't seen yet as a Thunder coach, just because his roster's kind of been made out with veterans already. And we were just trying to retool and get a shooter here or a player there. This is, this is new ground for us. So I think it's a good mix between youth and veteran presence, uh, both on the coaching staff, as well as on the roster to be able to develop our young talent. No, definitely. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of, swayed over to the side of let's keep Billy Donovan and see what he can do with these young players. Um, because if you remember whenever Billy Donovan was first hired, you know, one, one of the first things that people do or smart people like to do is to look at what a coach is good at or what a coach, you know, what the players that have played under that coach are good at. And so one of the, one of the things that we thought coming into Billy Donovan being hired as a Thunders coach is he was going to implement a system, an offensive system, in, where the, in which there would be more ball movement, in which there would be more cutting, there would be more, you know, just more movement overall to kind of quail this whole Westbrook-Durant, Westbrook-Durant, Westbrook-Durant type offense that we ran for a lot of the times that Westbrook and Durant were there. Um, it never happened. It never happened because, number one, you know, we had we had Westbrook and Durant to begin with, and and when you have superstar players like that that are very effective, you can't really come in and, and completely change the way they play. You know, they have mm-hmm. been successful in a system that worked for them. And so a person coming in and just kind of changing that up can be detrimental to that team's success. Um, and so he could never do that. Then Durant left, uh, and then it was Westbrook by himself. And Westbrook, you no, know what? I what I want. Yeah, well, he and that's true, and that's and that's probably true as a player also. You know, he 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 had a way that got that made him successful, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't just Westbrook that didn't do what Donovan maybe wanted him to. I'm pretty sure a lot of the brain trust around the team was telling Donovan, "Hey, you have a guy that's established, that's a that's that's a superstar, that wants to stay in Oklahoma City." So don't piss him off and yeah. let him do what he wants to do as far as out there on the floor. And the product, even though it didn't really, you know, it didn't really get us too many wins in the playoffs. It didn't get us to the second round at all in those three seasons. The product was still good. 
the product was still okay enough to be a successful team, get to the playoffs, things like that. Um, now Billy has the opportunity to finally implement the kind of offense that he wants. And I think having a, a point guard like Chris Paul, even though Chris Paul is a veteran, I, I think it helps that Chris Paul is more of a pure point guard than is Russell Westbrook. And so whatever system that he wants to implement, I think Chris Paul will kind of assimilate to that system and be successful in it. Um, and so, you know, I think this is a good thing for Billy. I, I, I don't think that I'm not on the field, you know, fire Billy Donovan train after this one season, because this one season is not going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us how the young players develop and that's going to be extremely important um, and he's done a good job with that. You, you know, we've seen leaps and bounds with Steven Adams. We've seen leaps and bounds with uh, Terrence Ferguson. Uh, we saw that he took a Hamadou Diallo that was drafted in the second round, and he's tur- he turned him into partially a rotational player in the first half of the season. And then once teams got video on him, they kind of adjusted to how he played, and, and he kind of fell into rookie ways. And so Donovan had to kind of bench him. But coming into this next season coming up, I expect big things from Diallo. I expect him to mm-hmm. to have a much a much better game, a much more efficient game. And, you know, I, I think part of that has to do with Billy Donovan just allowing him to play. Um, and so I, I think I'm, I'm here for, for Billy Donovan's, you know, I guess born-again coaching on the Thunder. You know, this is this is his second chance with the Thunder. Um, and so I think it, I think it'll be interesting. And I think it'll be very successful as far as looking at him as a developmental type coach. Absolutely. And I mean, I, what I don't understand are the the fans that are like, we got to tank. We got to be as bad as possible. But I also want us to fire Billy Donovan yeah. because he's a horrible coach. I'm like, mm. then if he is a bad coach, then he would be achieving your objective. Exactly. But it, otherwise, you're saying he's too good of a coach. And he'll coach us to more wins than you want us to have. Like you can't have both sides of that argument. So I, I personally think that Billy's got a lot more to to offer. And when he finally gets a chance to call plays, I think he's going to be super successful there. He he was great on out of bounds plays, right? Mm-hmm. Like when he call a timeout, I knew that he was going to draw us up something that got us a good look. I mean, there were a couple of games that we lost that Alex Sabrina's had wide open looks and that you could tell that's where the play was supposed to go. And it just didn't work out like Billy Donovan for all, for all of his shortfalls and rotations here and there, he is a good X's and O's coach. And I think that'll, that'll help too. So, um, okay. He gets gets to teach. He does. He he gets to coach. He gets to coach. He's not just managing egos, managing, you know, he gets to coach and he gets to teach. I, you know, I, I would love you know, maybe this is something that I'll ask during uh, during media day, but how different is the practices from last season when he had Paul George and Westbrook to this year when he doesn't have those players there? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. So speaking of not having players, <laughs> those players here, <laughs> have you ever been through a breakup? Me? Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, did. So you may get on social media and say, everything's hunky-dory. Both sides wanted this. This was a mutual separation, right? Mutual. 
I don't know. The last time I had a breakup, I didn't. I, there was hardly any social media out there. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, fair enough. Good, you know, good on <laughs> you for not having to be out there. In that. Yeah. But some breakups, even if it's mutual, it's more mutual for one side than it is the other, right? Like, there's always one side that was like, mm, maybe I was willing to stick this out a little longer. Or I wasn't ready to throw the towel in yet. I keep hearing that word mutual. Mutual. Yeah. So, former Thunder player, who I will not, there will be no slander from him uh, as far as what he what he did for Oklahoma City and all that stuff. I put it out on Twitter at a public service announcement. Mm-hmm. But, Paul George, he had his introductory press conference. And he had comments on this trade being mutual from both sides. Alex, thoughts? Yeah, not so. So we have to we have to look at the context of the word mutual. I think, I, you know, and and I and I, I when I say that, I don't think that the Thunder went into the offseason saying, you know what, we got to get rid of this Paul George guy. He's a bum. Yeah. He probably may only have a shoulder and a half left. Um, we got to get rid of him now. You know, yeah. I think the mutual. <laughs> part of this quote probably is once I went to Sam Presti and asked him for a trade, he was very mutualistic in helping facilitate that trade for me. That's where the mutualism comes in. You know, this was not mm-hmm. a we got to get rid of this number 13 guy. No, this number was three a MVP voting. Yeah, number three in MVP. No, this was a, hey, there's an opportunity for me in L.A. I want to go there. Can you make it happen? And the Thunder saying, well, let me talk to the Clippers first and see what they have to offer. Oh, a whole bunch of draft picks and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo? Mm, you know what, Paul? We'll go ahead and do it. Oh, it's very mutualistic. Yes, yes, mutualism all around. That's what I think happened. I don't, I don't think this was mutualistic in the fact that they both met together and the Thunder said, you know what, we want to get rid of you. And Paul George was like, you know what, I really don't want to stay here. I don't think it was mutualism like that. Yeah, mutually beneficial versus mutually instigated, right? Like, Yes, that's well, very well put. Very well put. Yeah. Um, I mean, Paul George is arguably the third best player to ever put on a Thunder uniform, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I would say, I mean, James Harden, but James Harden isn't the James Harden now that he was in his first three seasons. Right, and number three in MVP voting, as mentioned, number three in Defensive Player of the Year voting as well, Uh, one of the very few players to ever have both of those on his resume in the same season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his shoulders being what they were, potentially us not getting him back until November or December, but we were still in all intents and purposes, our our organization was ready to go in again this year. Yeah. And have this be the final year. Yeah, your your big free agent signings weren't gonna be Mike Muscala and Alex didn't think that you were gonna run it back. Right. And Alec Burks, I mean, he could have been a really, really good addition for us. Uh we all wanted shooting. And what's really funny is it it took us this off season to get all the shooting we had wanted. <laughs> Yeah, and we, and, and we uh we just all, didn't have the all the for not 
cornerstones to put that shooting around. Uh, I really love the addition in Danilo Gallinari on last year's team. Yes, <laughs> on this that year's team, great. he's a great asset. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's the type of guy that's been elusive for us at Thunder Nation uh, for years. How how is it that how is it that we get all these players that we've wanted for years and we get them? You know, now we get them, or or now we had the opportunity to get them. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like whenever Durant left, like right before Durant left, we'd always wanted that shooting guard that could actually, you know, mm-hmm. do offense. You know, that could actually score the ball a little bit, can actually handle the ball a little bit. And boom, we finally got Victor Oladipo, and we we're like, wow, Westbrook, Oladipo, um, Durant, Adams. My goodness, look at his team. And then Durant says, you know what, deuces, I'm out. And we got Sabonis as well, who turned in to be a really good player in his own yeah. right. One of the most improved players in the league. Uh, and Horford was on his way, too. Exactly. <laughs> if Durant re-up. So. And then, and and then guess team. what? And then guess what? We still had the pieces in place to ho- maybe get a Paul George the next season. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine how filthy that would have been? That would have been Russ, PG, KD, and Horford. Uh, sorry. That sorry, listeners. And, uh, and Jeremy Grant. Uh, yeah, and Jeremy Grant was still on the roster. Look yeah. at that crap. Hate you, Kevin Durant. I hate you. Uh, at shooting guard, Paul George. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> so the other side, right? Uh, Sam Presti. So no. So before before we move on to Sam Presti, though. Okay. Like, like Paul right. George. Like, man, he's he's a good snake oil salesman. <laughs> Like, no, like, I'm for real. Like, and, and I heard, you know, I heard this from Indiana fans when he got traded to us and when he signed with us. Like, Indiana fans, they would get on Twitter or they, you know, and they would say mm-hmm. things like, he just says things that makes people feel warm inside. Like, he doesn't really mean it. He just says the right things. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of see that. I kind of see that now. And I kind of see that, you know, oh, you know, this, this, this face that he puts on, this facade that he puts on about being so open with the media and being, you know, oh, you know, he's he's a guy that you want to talk to in the locker room. Not not Westbrook. Westbrook doesn't give you any answers. But Paul George, he answers all your questions. But Paul George answers all the questions, but is not completely honest. You know, so, you know, he couldn't go into that L.A. press conference and be like, yeah, you know, I went up to Sam, and I I, I kind of didn't want to do it, but I kind of did want to do it. But then we talked to Sam, and we talked to, you know, what was it, Jerry West? I don't know who the GM for the for the Clippers is. I think it's Lawrence Frank, Lawrence and then Frank's West is a, is a consultant. Yeah, and then X, X-Thunder front office guy Michael Winger is also there. And so, you know, I, I don't think that happened like that. So, I mean, Paul George says what he says to make himself look good um consequences be damned i think yeah <laughs> i mean we took it hook line and sinker oh yeah we even, loved it even down to espn oklahoma yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you know this or not but i'm here to stay for one more season for one more season remix <laughs> <laughs> but i mean we did get a lot for him uh, he didn't leave us high and dry. And so my public service announcement, it said, you know, like Kevin Durant left us high and dry. You can't be mad at him for leaving us high and dry, but also be pissed at Paul George for 
getting us a bright future like pick a side right i mean you uh, could be you could be both i mean like you said relationships so you can break up in a relationship and still like the person i mean it doesn't mm-hmm. you know it could just be a situation where you're better off as friends than you are as enemies um type thing and so you know with paul george you can dislike that he going that he only gave us a year, you know two years basically um but still like the fact that he left number one on good enough terms to where he could talk to Sam Presti and be like, look, this is what I want. Get, you know, squeeze out as much as you can get for me, but I want to go to LA. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's well put. Um, so the, the guy that traded him away put out and, and I don't, I don't follow other GMs activity around the league. Uh, but seeing our GM Sam Presti put in an op-ed into the Oklahoman was an interesting move. I can't really remember him ever doing anything like that. You know, he put in quotes here and there for a story, but he he actually wrote this piece himself. Mm-hmm. This was from the man himself. Uh, what were your thoughts when you read the the op-ed and and what you took from it? A, a little bit of damage control, I, I think, mm-hmm. on on his part, and not not damage control of anything bad, but just kind of letting Thunder fans know that, hey, you know, every, number one, every team goes through this. We've been extremely lucky to not have to go through this, uh, but every team goes through this, and just kind of remembering where we've been, looking at where we are, and giving us a glimpse into where we're going, um, and so I think. You know, Sam is an, ext- an extremely intelligent guy. He knows how to he knows to tap how to tap into that civic fiber of the fan base and bring up. You know, he said he if you look at if you look at the article, there's a lot of we's on there. There's a lot of us's mm-hmm. on there. Um, so he knows how to tap into that part of the of the fans psyche, the the civic part of it, the togetherness of it. Um, and so this this article was a lot of that. And also it, it kind of gave, you know, he, he kind of went out there and said, look, it's hard being a small market team in the NBA. Like small market teams have to get it almost completely right 100% of the time if they want to succeed. Um, big market teams, let's say the Lakers, can be run like, like a crapshoot, like a gambling house, and still come out on top because – a top free agent says, hey, I want to go there because I like to, you know, I would like to make movies later in life and I would like to go to the beach a couple times. You know, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday! <laughs> so, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, he put it out there and I, I thought it was good. I, I don't think this is something that we can expect from a GM all the time, but I do think as the voice of the Thunder now, um, as the main voice, um, he is the one that he decided to say, you know what, Number one, this, you know, this, the Paul George press conference happened. I don't think he was entirely happy with what he said. And so this is him, I think, trying to get ahead of everything and saying, look, um, this is where we're going. This is what we're, this is where we've been. And, you know, we expect you guys on the ride because, you know, the, the first, the first ride was fun. Um, so let's do this again. Yeah. And so if, if you stopped bleeding from the eyes after watching any ESPN coverage or <laughs> Fox coverage and then basically saying, 
yeah, Sam Presti got all these assets, but now is the time for him to bail and actually go somewhere where people yeah. are quote unquote willing to pay the luxury tax. Um, yeah, idiots. Um, yeah. and I think oh, no. Ryan Hollins is amongst the top of that list. Uh, Horrible. One th- people are talking about Sam Presti jumping ship. The thing is, listen to these last couple sentences in that op-ed. The people of Oklahoma should be able to one day watch the rise of another great team as they have watched the rise of their rebuilt downtown with the knowledge that they are witnessing something not only great, but enduring. Invest today for a sustainable tomorrow, typical Sam Prestiism, and then the journey now continues, and I'm humbled and grateful to be a part of it. That doesn't sound like a guy like Sam Presti, who is very calculated with his words. That doesn't sound like a guy that's got one foot out the door. No. That sounds to me like he's a guy who's just like Russell Westbrook planted his flag several off seasons ago after Kevin Durant left. This is a GM basically planting his flag in downtown Oklahoma City saying, look, I'm I'm invested in this. Yeah, Invest he, with me. He's entrenched. Yeah, 100 percent. So I thought it was very well written. Um, it, it was I mean, from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. As somebody that, you know, I've I haven't lived in Oklahoma City since I was 19 years old. And I won't tell you how long that ago that was, because that'll <laughs> that'll date me a little bit. Um, but I still carried with me a lot of the. You know, a lot of the the hurt that the bombing had mm-hmm. a lot of the the. And then being in the military, I meet people from all over the country. I mean, people had preconceived notions about what Oklahoma City is. And I had to tell people like, look, it's not what you thought. Oh, you drove through there 10 years ago. It's completely different now than it was 10 years ago. There's a lot of growth and development. We're a strong community. There's a lot for us to be proud of. Before we got the thunder, right? And then then Katrina happened and we got the Hornets and, and the NBA took notice of all that. And, and really the narrative changed on the city. I think Sam Presti has done a great job of of showing new people that come into the organization that uh, that that part of our history, while also uh, being focused on the future and and what that that looks like. So uh, mm-hmm. his mindset was perfectly painted out in this article. Yeah, um, I didn't have a chance to get on last week and and talk about our jerseys. Uh, I'll kind of drop that in now, real quick, since we're talking about. The memorial, I think that was so well done. Um, a lot of people have been clamoring for that colorway, but I think it's been long overdue for us to have some type of memorial recognition within our within our jerseys. Uh, but we had the Native uh, American influence last year, which was also uh, very much needed if we were going to go that route from just standard mm-hmm. jerseys and, and actually go to a deeper meaning. I think it's very well done. The Memorial did a great job. Nike did a great job. I know Sam Presti had his hands all over that as well, um, just just with his PR savvy and all of those things and helping to lead organization there. I personally can't wait to buy uh, a jersey of that and represent it and, and wear it uh, proudly. The 901-903, the Survivor Tree, the the ribbon, like all the things. Well done, Nike. I, yeah, I got to give well my hands up to you. Um, and we got a rebrand, which was great. Uh, well, a oh, rearranging yeah? of letters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> from from light to dark and dark to light. Uh, so Oklahoma City being on the whites, which I don't know how I feel about that. 
Uh, but Thunder being on the Blues, which I absolutely do love, I think that mm. I think those are very clean. Uh, it's been kind of uh, troublesome though because I've been wanting to buy some gear, and I can't really buy any of it because they haven't made the adjustment yet on any of the new stuff that's out. So the Oklahoma City's still on the Blues, and I, I want all fresh stuff because yeah. I want to try to move on from Paul George and Russell Westbrook being gone and and support our our new players. So that's been my issue over the last couple weeks. Get that, get that Shea jersey. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. And I'm going to get a Chris Paul jersey, if nothing else, just to make Dolan pissed. <laughs> you know, I was, I, was looking, I'll wear I was looking through my closet, and I still have a Hornets 3, you know, a, a Hornets Chris Paul jersey. And I it, that says Hornets. It doesn't say New Orleans. It says Hornets. Um, and then I also have the uh, the red one that says Oklahoma City, the, the Valentine's Day ones. You've got the Valentine's Day one? Yeah. yeah. Don't make that money. Oh, I know. Leap. I saw that, man. I saw that. Maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. Is it the Chris Paul one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The Pager one's going for like three grand. Yeah, but are people buying it? Like, I can go ahead and I can put anything on eBay and put it for a million dollars, but no one's going to buy it. Yo, I don't know. Um, that'll <laughs> be my homework while you're in a soliloquy or something later. There you like, go. <laughs> oh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get that soon. Um, okay. So the other piece of Presty, uh, the press conference. Uh, what were your thoughts on his press conference that came after Paul George's press conference? So I, I thought I thought Sam Presty's press conference was in response to Paul George's statements during his press conference. You know, he <laughs> he basically I'll had hold the, up. Yeah, hold, hold, up. hold up. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. What had happened was. What had, had yeah, he's he's out there clapping. What what had happened? So so I think it was in response to that. I think he had to come on and say, look, and first of all, he hasn't introduced any of the of the new Thunder players. You know, I would love to see a introductory press press conference with Danilo and with Shay and with Chris Paul. That'd be awesome. Um, even bring Mike Muscala out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 he he did it in response to the Paul George thing, and I think he needed to. He needed to be go ahead and be like, look, this wasn't mutual in the way that he said it was mutual. It was mutual in the way that he requested the trade, and we helped him out while also helping ourselves out. Like you said, mutually beneficial instead of mutually instigated. Um, and so he had, you know, he basically had to put out his side of the story um, and answer to that. And also, you know, he, he went ahead and talked about uh, it, it was, a, you know, it was basically a PowerPoint presentation from his op ed mixed in with some, you know, some presty isms in there, you know, because he did talk about how hard it is to, you know, to be a small market, how hard it is to be in this era of players tampering with themselves and how you know you can't really police that and some people ask questions he was like look i can't answer that you know i can't speak for paul i can't speak for the league i can't speak for adam silver um but it was you know basically him saying look it is it is difficult in a small market and it is it's a lot more difficult whenever you have player tampering that can't be it can't be contained it can't be enforced exactly yeah and i thought he was really good uh (laughs) <laughs> as Sam does, he's able to say a lot of things sometimes mm-hmm. without saying much at all. Jeez. But I think he was very he was very good at saying, look, what did the commissioner say? The commissioner doesn't like it. The commissioner <laughs> wants to, you know, try to figure out a solution. And and I think that a lot of 
a lot of executives around the league echo those sentiments. Um, so I, and honestly, if if the whole middle of the country is going to become a farm system for New York and LA and Golden State and Miami, like that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Those are huge swaths of the country that are going to get turned off by the product of the NBA. And really, the NBA on an international scale is is the most popular American sport. Yeah. But in America, it's not it hasn't unseated the NFL yet. And I think I think that that's still a goal for the NBA. If they can't find a way to keep stars in small markets and keep small markets viable, you know, granted or provided that those small markets are well run organizations, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be a huge, huge problem for the NBA. And it doesn't matter where you keep shifting those teams around if it goes to Seattle, but Seattle's not a big enough market to keep people out of LA. And by the way, the weather apparently isn't very good in Seattle year round either. Can, can, can we put that out there, please? Can we look, you know, everybody that's, that's, you know, still feeling some sort of way about Seattle losing their team to Oklahoma city. Yeah. Listen, Seattle. Yeah. It's a West coast team. Yeah, it's a bigger market than Oklahoma City, but Seattle in no way competes with L.A., competes with New York, competes with Brooklyn, competes with Houston, competes with uh, Miami. Seattle's not a big market like that. So can we stop saying like, you know, yeah, it is a bigger market than Oklahoma City, but, you know, can you please tell me who the last big time free agent was that signed with Seattle whenever there was free agency and Seattle in the same league. It was hardly anybody. Maybe, I don't know, Antonio Daniels, maybe I have Rashard no Lewis, idea. Maybe he was drafted by them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Seattle was not a free agent destination like the LA's of the world, like the New York's of the world. So don't give me this bull crap that, Oh, you know, they moved from Seattle to, to Oklahoma city and now free agents, free agents never went to Seattle, you know, so don't, don't be mixing a bigger market with the LA's and the New York's and the Miami's and the Houston's of the world. Seattle does not compete on that same playing field. So let's not get that twisted. Yeah. Well said, I can't add anything to that, (laughs) except I will say like, there's a lot of talent that goes through Seattle, but people discredit the talent that goes through Oklahoma as well. Like Trey Young, Oklahoma product. Blake, Blake Griffin. Griffin, Oklahoma product. Like we still turn out talent too. And and bas- this is a football state in Oklahoma, but there's a lot of basketball talent that comes out of there as well. So it the culture is there uh, in Oklahoma City. Um, freaking, freaking, did you see Dame Lillard's? quote about a week ago uh what he did it for seattle yeah that i did it for seattle get the hell out of yeah, here yeah that's cute i'm sure that was the number one thing on his mind after he hit the shot yeah exactly besides finding a camera and giving that little a smirk crap eating smirk yeah <laughs> like okay fine you hit one shot what did he what did he do the rest of the playoffs uh, outside of that exactly it was, it was yeah. the cj show at that point but I digress. That's that's old news. That that's the old <laughs> old thunder. I can't I, I can't hate on that old history anymore. We got to move forward. We have to reposition our thoughts and re- replenish 
ourselves. Our memories. Yes, reposition and replenish. And if if that's not some type of an ad for something in Oklahoma City with Sam Presti's face all over it, I don't I don't know what marketing teams are doing. I just <laughs> I really don't. Um, so that being said, uh, marketing and ads, uh, we have one coming up right now. All right. <laughs> so well, it was press conference week and intro yeah. week and. Speaking of reposition and replenish, um, friend of the pod, uh, Brady Does Sports, uh, tweeted after somebody said, today was the toughest reposition and replenish era change my mind. Uh, that coming after Russell Westbrook's introductory press conference and at Brady Does Sports said, I have to reposition myself to the kitchen so that I may replenish myself with a beverage worthy of my age. And I think that sentiment uh, rings true for a lot of Thunder Nation after having to watch uh, Raphael Westbrook (laughs) with his headband. Yeah, with his headband. Yeah, after having to watch that whole press conference take place. So. Strange. That was, uh, you know, it's funny that between Balmer and Daryl Morey, like, there's a there's an appreciate appreciation for the quietness of Presty, in my opinion. You know, just yeah. Bomber, Bomber, Bomber looks like a he looks like a cool owner. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, governor. I would governor. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. A cool <laughs> governor. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we cannot refer to them as owners. They are governors Rosie. now, because it's the board of governors. It makes sense because it's the board of governors. It's not the board of owners. So that makes sense. But yeah, so the governor of the LA Clippers, um, Steve Ballmer, he's he's a he's a madman, he's a wild man. Um, but apparently he's good enough, he's smart enough to let the basketball decisions be made by smart basketball people. You know, there's a lot of owners that like to get in the way. And so on the flip side of of introductory week, I think Tillman Frittata, the owner of the Houston Rockets, he is one of those guys that will likely get in his own way here soon. Not yet, but will probably happen soon, and hopefully he'll get in his way enough to give us some good draft picks here coming up. You know, every time I hear the Houston governor's name, I just get hungry for breakfast food. I don't know why. It's kind of random. (laughs) Um... Yeah, what's funny is how Houston fans are, are talking about how cheap he is and and how he's not willing to go pay all that money to get Andre Guadalli, even though they think mm-hmm. that would be what is what puts them over the edge. I think that's really ironic because they those are the same fans that bash uh, Oklahoma City Thunder leadership for, quote-unquote, being cheap yeah. when they've been they've had one of the most expensive payrolls over the last several seasons. So that's pretty funny. I can't stand Daryl Morey. I can't stand the Houston Rockets organization. And this is a former Houston Rockets fan before we got the Thunder. Clyde Drexler was my favorite player. I followed him from Portland to Houston. And I stuck around through Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, Steve V franchise years, like all of that. <laughs> I can't stand Houston as an organization, they threw so much shade at Russ they did. when he won MVP and 
Shame on all the reporters who covered that press conference. Shame on on them for not one of them having the gumption to say, hey, Russ, hey, Daryl Morey. So all this shade during uh, Russell Westbrook's MVP season that was thrown by Morey and the Houston Rockets organization. What are your thoughts on both sides? You know, and, and, I mean, I, so it, and it wasn't just Houston reporters out there. You know, there yeah. was some. There were some Oklahoma City reporters out there. There should have been somebody say, "Look, like this happened," and of course, they they could have given any type of speak to. Well, that was in the past. Yeah, we're really excited to have him on our team. You know, we think he's going to add immense value. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. You know, we. I will always go to bat for my guy. Like. Something like that could have been said, right? But I still wanted to make Daryl Morey's smug self actually say it. Yeah, just sweat, um, sweat a little bit under that collar with that, with that villainous beard that he has now. Like he looks like a Bond villain. Yo, he. Well, he looks like a guy who, if this doesn't work in the next two years, is going to be out of a job. No, no, he doesn't. He, he doesn't look like a Bond villain. He looks like an Austin Powers villain. Is what he looks like. <laughs> with that ridiculous right. beard. You you think he's sitting sitting over there with a bucket of chicken? Oh, I'm dead sexy. <laughs> no, he's probably he's probably stroking a bald cat. He's not the he's not that guy. He's probably stroking the bald cat. Oh but, my gosh. But I mean, as far as the press conference and as as far as Russell Westbrook, um I think you know he gave nothing but praise to the Thunder organization. He actually Gave praise to Billy Donovan, you know, what? breaking that doesn't news. Fit the narrative at all. It, that doesn't like they hated Billy Donovan. That's part of the reason why they're gone. And Billy Donovan yeah. is still here. What the hell? Um, so yeah, he, he did give him a little bit of praise, and he said, "Hey, you know, thank you to Billy Donovan, the coaching staff, so on and so forth." So hey, that narrative could probably be thrown out the window. Um, but then he also, in true Westbrook fashion, was like, um, "Hey, I only care about one team, and that's the Houston Rockets." Yo, that hurt. It did hurt, but that hurt my soul. I understood it. But yeah, it make it any less painful. It did hurt, but it is Westbrook, and he's gonna ride for the team that he's on. And right now, he's not on the Thunder. And that's why we loved him for yeah. his whole career. And that's why a lot of people have jumped ship with him over to Houston uh, to to ride it out there. And I mean, hey, props to them. And if they're still listening to the podcast, like. You know, welcome. You're you're still welcome here. I I, I appreciate dialogue, but <laughs> <laughs> constructive no, you, dialogue. You, you can jump to the Rockets, but don't jump ship from the pod- podcast. We still love you, and we yeah, we right. have we haven't traded any of our guys here at the podcast. So, right, yeah. <laughs> Although if OKC could use another first round pick, I'm sure Preston hey, find a way. Pe- peace out, Stephen Dolan. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> wow all right i can't wait to hear the, the fire back on that one um this is this is just to check to make sure that he listens to the podcast whenever he's oh, not on yeah. it oh yeah gotta you know gotta hold him accountable gotta keep yeah. him on it um so great so russell westbrook got uh introduced paul george got introduced the Thunder have acquired a couple of players this offseason, too. But we have not introduced them. Presti did an op-ed, and Presti did a press conference. Or a Presti conference, as we should call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
why haven't we introduced CP3, Danilo, or Shea? So here's my thought on that. So I understand. So the reason we haven't introduced them, I think, is because so Danilo and CP3, hey, you know what? If the right deal comes around this offseason, not even waiting until the, the, the trade deadline, if the right deal comes around this offseason, guess what? We're shipping them off, and we're getting what we can get. Shea, on the other hand, you know, he's, he, he looks to be part of our future, but it would be kind of awkward to just have a press conference with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and exclude um, Danilo Gallinari and Chris Paul. So I think that's the reason why is because this team is not yet set in stone. Paul George to the Clippers, you know Paul George is not going to get traded here within the next three months. Um, Russell Westbrook to the Rockets, you know he's likely not to get traded here in the next three months. So I think that's the reason why the Thunder have yet to have an introductory press conference because two of those three guys that just came in could be traded at any time. And you can't have one without them all, right? Like Exactly, it, yeah. That, it would be awkward. That's such a bad look. And I mean, I think that means that maybe trade talks aren't dead with Miami or with Minnesota for Chris Paul, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I I mean, Presti came out and has, has lauded Chris Paul for what he's done for the city and how excited mm-hmm. they are to have him. But if he was going to be with us at least till December, you know, and we knew that then we would have, we would have had the pomp and circumstance of the press conference. So, yeah, I, I mean, cause Chris Paul is still loved by some in the city and that would have been good to generate a lot of uh, hope and all that stuff too. So with that being said, uh, I, I have, well, not with that being said, that was a horrible transition. <laughs> um, <laughs> We will transition, though, uh, to some other questions. These are Twitter questions. So thank you for all of those people who uh, shouted us out uh, on Twitter. Didn't see anything on Facebook. Didn't uh, either. But feel free to, to go there if you still use Facebook uh, as your primary source. Uh, but we had a handful of, of questions. Speaking of Shea Gilgis Alexander, there we go. There's my transition. Uh, <laughs> at Shay Gull Alex, Shay G L A L E X. Rank these three: Bill, Kimba, and Simmons. Just real quick NBA question there. So I'm guessing he means Ben Simmons, right? Not Jonathan yeah. Simmons or Richard Simmons. Oh which would yeah, be even more awkward. Do the pony. <laughs> um, so I would rank. Uh, so it'd probably be Bradley Beal number one. Uh, dang, I don't. Because here's the thing, like. Simmons can be such a dominating player in what he does well, but his deficiencies can sometimes taking take him out of being great. Um, and so I would put Ben Simmons number three. Um, I think I would put Kemba Walker number two and then Bradley Beal number one. Excuse me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, some people flame me on, on Reddit earlier this week, but I said personally, like, I would prefer to have stars that can shoot in today's mm-hmm. NBA. And Ben Simmons has shown or has yet to show that he can shoot, um, which means that you can't have him on the floor with another non-shooter. And mm-hmm. being an, an Oklahoma City fan, I've seen that story enough <laughs> to know that I I can't have a guy that's handling the ball and has a high usage rate 
not be able to shoot. So mm-hmm. um, that's in, the play- in the playoffs, most teams are great defensive teams. And so, you know, you driving into a whole bunch of human bodies because you can't shoot does not bode well to your efficiency, does not bode well to your uh, win-loss record after that. And Russell Westbrook can actually shoot threes a little bit, not not league average, not a great shooter, but he can at least hit him at a 30-plus percent clip. And even we saw the struggles he had in the playoffs. So, yep. yes, there we go. All right. Um, at uh, We'll go this. At Thunder Up Caleb asks, assuming both players get around the same playing time, who takes the bigger step forward next year, Ferguson or Diallo? So my feeling on this is that I think Diallo takes a bigger step um, because I think Diallo is he's more so number one he hasn't he hasn't been I don't want to use the term brainwashed uh, that's that's the wrong word and I'm looking for another word and I can't find it uh, but he hasn't been indoctrined into a certain style of playing yet in the league. Terrence Ferguson has been for the last two seasons. He's a three and D guy, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So he's always depended on a Westbrook, a George, a Carmelo Anthony to to get a lot of the defensive attention and then be basically wide open um, at the three point line to shoot to shoot a jumper. Terrence Ferguson, once he has to put that ball on the floor, the results are fifty fifty. Um, yeah, so, we saw it last year in summer league. Definitely. We saw it last year. In some, I mean, we saw it last year during the regular season and into the playoffs. Into the playoffs, they kind of, kind of, you know, they kind of backed up off of him and let him drive. I mean, they kind of went into him and they forced him to drive to the basket. And a lot of the results weren't that good. There were kind of turnovers. There were bad passes, bad decisions. Um, and so I think Diallo is more of a blank canvas per se. And, and he's a, a little bit more offensively aggressive. And so I think Diallo will make the bigger, the bigger leap um, between him and Ferguson. Are there still yeah. going to make mistakes? Of course it's going to be you know, mistakes. But I, I do think his ability to handle the ball a little bit better than Ferguson will help him on this type of team. And I, I agree with that. The, he looks very capable, he being Diallo, in handling the ball in summer league this year. He has a lot of value in that, and he could potentially help us in spots run the second unit. Uh, you know, say we move on from Chris Paul and Shea gets all this all the starters minutes at at the one spot, and we end up moving on from Dennis. I I think Diallo can help facilitate a little bit of offense on that second unit. Yep. The thing that's going to be a limitation for him is just can he find a three point stroke consistently? Mm-hmm. He he's not a, a very capable shooter at this point, whereas Ferguson is. And there's always going to be value for shooters in the league. So that, that'll that just be the biggest limitation for Diallo moving forward. Yep. Um, okay. So this is kind of a, a dual, like a question that has something to do with one another. So at G Lynch 77 said, had, have you had a chance to look at future cap space with that? When will Oklahoma city have maximum spots to offer my guess 2022, but he didn't really know uh, where we stood on the cap with that. So um, I can take this one for a second. Okay. In 2020, 2021, the cap is supposed to be at 116 with 141 being the, the tax line. Where we stand for that off season 
is we have a hundred million dollars accounted for nine players. Now with that hundred million dollars uh, for next year, forty-one million of it is Chris Paul could be gone next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, fifteen million, fifteen point five, excuse me, is an expiring uh, going into next year. Then we have Stephen Adams at twenty-seven point five million going, which will be an expiring now. Steven Adams could still have value for this team. He could still be on the roster beyond mm-hmm. uh, beyond that line. So not just next season, but the year after. We might actually re-up with him. Um, but we'll pay him more of what his market value will be, and I don't think it'll be anywhere near what we're paying him right now unless he takes a huge step forward. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder, I don't see on a roster. He'll be an expiring, uh, a valuable expiring. So add all that up, I mean we could potentially have enough room for two max spots if, if the the right things go our way and we can move some expirings around uh, next year. But that'd be during the season when we can massage a few things against the cap where we would have most of our space will be that 2021, 2022. And the biggest number on there is Chris Paul's $44.2 million player option. Yeah. So, That's... so what that, what that looks like, for the rest of the roster, we have Shea at 5.5. We have Darius Baisley at 2.5. And that is actually it at this point for guys who are <laughs> under contract in the 2021 season besides Chris Paul. So, yeah, the sky's the limit at that point for, for who we, we get. I think, personally, predicting the future... I think at that point we would take on bad contracts to get more assets for the double dip draft in 2022. I completely agree. A hundred percent. I completely agree with that. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say, you know, with that said, I, I don't want people to think that we're going to be off trying to sign, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo to a max contract mm-hmm. or anything like that when he comes available. No, I, I think as far as what we're going to do with that cap space is, you know, we're going to go ahead and go around the league and say, Hey, we can take on a bad contract, but we're going to need a first round pick attached to that. And that bad contract cannot have more than two years left on it. Um, So that's, you know, that's what we're going to be doing around the league here over the next couple seasons is, you know, taking on people's toxic assets, but asking for, you know, assets in return such as draft picks and maybe even if they have a good young player we'll take a good young player um but that's what we're going to be using our cap space for so g lynch 77 i know you probably were looking at that from the angle of when can we start to sign big time free agents but i don't think that's going to happen for oklahoma city you got to remember oklahoma city you got to look at the got to be pragmatic about it not really a free agent destination uh, there's other teams that have free agent money like us. Um, they're probably going to go to those other places. And also, you know, remaining with your team can get you more money. And so if choosing between getting more money or going to Oklahoma City, depending on what's going on, it could be a possibility that they either stay with their team or go to another team that's on a coast or something like that. Yeah, and and to prepare you for Heartbreak Hotel, prepare for a lot of free agents to use Oklahoma City as leverage mm-hmm. for their current their yep. current teams and other teams across the NBA just to say look, like they're willing to they're they're willing to give me this contract and restricted free agents, right? So we can offer them anything, but their team can still match it. Just and then just, that player stays with them. 
Just remember what uh, Portland did to us with Ennis, Ennis Cantor. Yeah, right. Know, that's, that's basically what players are going to be doing to us in that, hey, Oklahoma City can offer me this much. You know, what are you going to do? And the team's probably going to be like, the, the team's probably going to balk and be like, okay, we'll give you the money. Um, but, you know, there's going to be rumors abound from Woj and from Shams and from whoever is the big-time rumor player, you know, in, in, in two or three years, where they're going to be like, hey, <laughs> OKC, OKC is, is, uh, is a possibility here. OKC is a possibility. OKC is a possibility. But it doesn't ever come to fruition. Um, so just keep that in mind. And all those guys on Twitter, fake clout season. Uh, oh there are gosh. all these guys that are saying they know things, but they don't. They're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and uh, Prime Nerlens <laughs> uh, actually outed one of them. Uh, sources plug is no longer sources plug anymore. So be wary where you're getting your info, listeners. Yeah. Uh, it's not not all, not all info is created equal. Yeah. Um, and then the the follow up with that is. At uh, Deshaun Garduno, if we have cap space next summer, do you expect us to throw big money at restricted free agents like Pascal, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Bogdanovich, Heald, etc.? No, we won't. Well, one, we won't have cap space. But if we did, I don't know that we would uh, throw it at some of these guys. Maybe Buddy Heald would. Maybe. But he's probably going to get the max. He averaged 20 points a, a game last year. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to end up getting the max from Sacramento. So probably no dice there. Jalen Brown, I don't like, honestly, I don't think he's max worthy. And I think he'll demand really high numbers. I think he would really hurt cap flexibility moving forward for what he provides. Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram could be that dude. He's 21 years old. He'll turn 22 in September, but he can't stay healthy. He only played in like 50 something games last year. And, that's not, I mean, he's not getting any younger. And if he can't stay healthy at an early, at a young age, uh, how's he, how's he going to, you know, what are his durability issues going to be later on? And by the way, I don't know that his, his medical issues uh, is limited to just like joints and stuff. Didn't he have a blood clot issue? Blood clot issue yeah, he had a, he had a blood clot issue in his shoulder, which is weird. Yeah. You know, usually uh, when you're talking about taller people, um, you usually hear about it on in their legs and then traveling up, but he had it in his shoulder, so you know that's closer to the heart, that's closer to the lungs, and so I don't know. Yeah. So and and plus, I think he has a lot of value for New Orleans. So if he takes a big step up this year, they see him as a pivotal uh, building block around Zion. Keep in mind, they have to keep enough talent around Zion to keep Zion healthy. Or not healthy, uh, willing to uh, willing to be up and keep him happy. Yeah, slip of the tongue there. Yeah, um, you got to remember what Zion, Zion is. still has to stay healthy too. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, if Zion becomes what everybody thinks he's going to become, um, you know, you could have yourself. You know, New Orleans has to do everything right from this point on when it comes to Zion. Like they have to hit the mark on most of their moves from now to about five years from now. Um, if Zion develops into the player, many people think he's going to be. If he's a bust, he's a bust. I mean, it is what it is. But also you have to remember that if Zion continues to develop in the way that many people think he, he's going to develop, that contract with Jordan is just going to get even bigger. And so when you, you want to talk about income uh, okay. supplementation, 
income <laughs> the NBA income won't matter if MB, if uh, Jordan is giving him you know 30 40 50 million dollars a season or a year for 10 years you know that's not going to matter at all um and so New Orleans has to make sure that they do they take every step possible and, and make every right move from from this point on um because they are a small market team just like Oklahoma City is and we've seen you make a couple wrong moves in small markets and it's over that quickly yeah and with that being said right I'm looking at Zion's contract. Zion is making 9.7 this year, 10 million next year, 10.7 and then 13.5. He's a restricted free agent in 2023. So his shoe deal is actually longer than his current contract with the Pelicans and he hasn't even played a minute in the NBA yet in the real NBA. Yeah. And it's a 5-year, 75 million dollar shoe deal. So uh, that that can go to show you what uh, could severely influence Zion Williamson and, and what he wants to do from mm-hmm. a business standpoint. Uh, finally, uh, with that, our last question will be from... Hold on, hold on. So, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. So before we move on, um, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh, no, uh, so on, on this question, I, I was just looking at the question that you just asked. Um, you have to understand that Whenever you're rebuilding, you want most of the players being on the same timeline. Um, And so a player like Buddy Heald, even though he's great, you know, even though he looks like he's on that path to basically what he did at OU, where, you know, in his four-year career at OU, he got significantly better every year. And he he seems to be doing that in the NBA now. Um, He's already 26. And so... How old is Bradley Beal? Bradley Beal is 26 now. You know, and so you don't want to give a guy a huge contract if he's 27, 28, 29, and all your incoming players are 19, 20, 21. You know, that that kind of doesn't make sense, uh, which is the reason why any speculation of us getting Bradley Beal is is null and void because of that reason, because of the timeline. If you want to look at players, you have to look at players that are a that are the same age range of Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, even Stephen Adams himself at 26 years old. He's a little bit kind of on the older side of that timeline, but he's ours. You know, we have him signed, and so he'll be the one that's the youngest one for us. You know, for us to keep. Uh, but I, you know, I do want people to kind of realize that is that you have to keep a timeline. You can't have your pieces all be different ages because that doesn't work out as far as sustainability and as far as keeping a team successful for long as long as possible. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So much so that when we were talking about doing a trade with Miami, the most common young player is Justice Winslow, and there mm-hmm. are some people that even have the sentiment, "Well, he's too old, even, and yeah. he's only twenty-three years old." Yeah, just because. We want we want to be able to maximize our best players prime together uh, because you got to think like five years from now, we're going to be paying, you know, the luxury tax again, most likely when we have to re-sign all these players that we're going to be bringing in. And we want guys that are going to be kind of on our timeline with that. So uh, just something else to keep in mind for y'all when you look at potential signings for the Thunder uh, guys that will be cheap our guys that we draft. And our yep. final question is from at the Doug Beck. 
who are we hoping to draft next year? Well, just my personal opinion, uh, going into uh, Shea's year at Kentucky, he wasn't really high up on most people's draft boards, right? He had mm-hmm. to fight his way onto the roster uh, or to, to get his minutes and, and to stay on the court. He had to make a name for himself uh, in stretches or a lot down the stretch for them. We didn't really know a whole lot about him. We, we knew about other guys on the roster. Well, looking at NBADraftNet.net, which is you know as good as anybody right now in being able to project something out so far, Let's let's just look at the oh we'll go top eleven picks freshman 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 international international freshman freshman international freshman international freshman. Oh, and one, 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 one of those guys. One of those international is actually Lamelo Ball. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah, he's listed and, international because he's played professionally overseas, but he's still basically a high school senior slash freshman. Just like Terrence Ferguson did in Australia, right? Like it's, that's just, that's just it. So there are guys like Anthony Edwards, who's high up on people's list. James Wiseman, who looks like he's a shooter uh, from Memphis as a freshman. He's seven foot one. So maybe he could be another unicorn type player. I don't know. Um, Stuart, you got LaMelo Ball at four. There are all these guys. Looks like it's very guard centric. The thing is, we will take anybody that's talented at this point, who's young, who we can develop, who is talented, and who hopefully can shoot it. BPA. I think that's, that's right, exactly. Um, so, sorry we can't really nail down a lot of players for you. We'll, and we don't even know how valuable our own pick will be. Um, hoping to get the number one pick, and then your guess is as good as mine, but who knows if it's going to actually play out that way. So uh, sorry I couldn't give you a more definitive answer uh, there, Deshaun Garduno, but I appreciate the the question, and that's something that we'll look at routinely throughout the season. Uh, we may even do a, a monthly highlight of just the potential prospects and, and what we think as far as their fit for the Thunder. So that'll be something to come later on in the season. But um, as mean, far as Twitter I, questions I see- go... I see, I see the name Anthony Edwards, and all I think about is, uh, was it Goose on Top Gun? Wasn't his uh, name Anthony? Isn't that actor? His name is Anthony Edwards. Oh, I thought that was the dude from uh, from ER. Exactly, that's the same guy. Is it? Oh yeah. yeah. And if you watch a Designated Survivor on Netflix now, he's the uh, the chief, chief of, staff of staff there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. Like I couldn't tell uh, the only, I couldn't tell you what any of these guys look like. Like that's how. Well, like you know, <laughs> let let college basketball come around a little bit. You know, let let those let the names that are supposed to be on this list kind of start to, kind of start to show up. You know, show us a little bit of what their game is because, I I don't trust high school highlight reels. I don't trust, you know, where where is it that Lamelo Ball played? They played in. Was it Latvia or Croatia or something like that? I don't trust yeah. those videos. You know, I, I want to see what these guys do against similar competition at this point, you know, in, in, in their careers and their lives. So, you know, whenever Memphis is playing, they have two, two of these guys on, their, on the top 11. I'll watch Memphis. You know, I'll watch Georgia just to see what this Anthony Edwards kid looks like. Um, but to give you a definitive 
this is who I want the Thunder to draft now? I, I have no idea. Yeah, so the the Anthony Edwards, the actor, probably doesn't fit our timeline being 57 <laughs> years old. <laughs> probably not. But he, he is 6'2", so he maybe he's kind of tall. Yeah. Point. <laughs> Back up uh, Shay. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, he may actually be taller than Chris Paul, right? And there you go. Like six foot one. So there <laughs> no, we go. he's not. That's that's very generous. He's about five foot eleven, six foot. Okay, it just depends on uh, on where you're getting that stuff. But also with those highlight reels, did you see Bronny finally dunk on a video? Did he really? You see, him seen finally it? dunk. But now it took like it looked like Moses parted the Red Sea for him because uh-huh. nobody was trying to tee up. Nobody was trying to clog the paint or you know do anything. I think LeBron probably was giving everybody a pair of sneaks just to let Bronny get his uh, get his dunk on a, a video finally. Because he had so many almost misses, and he almost shut the the gym down. Yep. Yeah, I almost dunked too. Um, I mean, I, I could barely get net, but I almost dunked. So it, anyway... Hey. Yeah. If, if, if you if you saw me on the uh, if you saw me on the TV, you know the only thing that I've been dunking is donuts. So <laughs> it is what it is. Well, uh, something that can be a slam dunk is your transition on the way up out of here. So you want to lead us out? Uh, yeah. So you know, once again, thank you for listening uh, to Topic Thunder. Uh, we truly do enjoy having you guys as listeners. Please continue to interact with us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Look for us on Facebook. Follow us and like us on Facebook. It's uh, basically facebook.com backslash OKC Topic Thunder. And just continue to look out for different, um, you know, contests that we put out on Twitter or ask us questions, interact with us on Twitter. Um, And always, you can always catch us wherever, basically, you catch any of your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Spotify, we're on Dash Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Central. Um, I think Steven is trying to get us on Player FM. Uh, but be on the lookout. We got things coming up. We maybe got a website coming up. We maybe got some merchandise coming out. Um, so Ooh. be on the lookout for that. Uh, but I as emoji. always, yeah, hey, I emoji. But as always, you guys take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you guys sometime next week. Thunder up. Thunder up! I'm going to talk in this part, and Alex is going to hear it later. And he's going to have to hear me sing and edit it out in the post audio. Da, 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 hey, hey. This, this is Topic Thunder, behind the scenes with Tierney, waiting for Alex to come back, there he is. My bad. You good, I just sang the whole time, so okay, you don't hear good. that in post-audio.
Awesome. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.